This week we have a great panorama of geographies that we're going to cover. We'll start with Facebook acquiring Belarus-based Masquerade to compete with Snapchat. Hyperloop has started to explore different deals in Europe, one that could potentially connect Austria, Slovakia and Hungary. UK-based Plume Labs and Digitus LBI have made an air pollution tracking system in the form of backpacks for pigeons. So Neil and I will have a lot of fun with that one. And finally, Neil and I will wrap it up with Europe's favorite topic, labor law, and if it's relevant for startups. So let's get started with Facebook's recent acquisition of Belarus-based Masquerade. Many are saying that this acquisition goes head-to-head with Snapchat's acquisition of Luxury. Both of these companies are in the image filtering space, letting users add fun filters to their photos and selfies. However, Masquerade is in the video space. The CEO of the company, Eugene Nevgen, essentially announced the acquisition in a blog post and thanked Yuri Gursky of Mail.ru and Gergain Capital. Apparently, that's one of their mentors and investors. So while the terms of the deal have not been disclosed, there was actually a fake announcement posted on Facebook two weeks ago that Masquerade was getting acquired by Apple for $117 million. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's pretty odd, actually, that that, that that happened. So obviously, maybe someone was in the know there or, or definitely taking a pot shot. Uh, but what I found interesting about this is you look at Luxury acquired by Snapchat. They were from Ukraine, the Masquerade from Belarus. It's quite ironic, really, because I think that Europe often gets called a place where it's kind of like unsexy, boring, B2B startups and companies. Those are the tech companies that Europe does do very, very well. If you think of Europe generally, that's the area where they have had some success in, and that's where you would associate with them. So it's quite ironic, really, but kind of luxury and and masquerade, just almost silly apps are being bought by kind of these big American giants, because I always think of the, the Americans as making these kind of cool, edgy, fun apps, and Europe is a bit more kind of unsexy, a bit boring, and a bit more business-like. So it's pretty funny that these last two have actually come from kind of the depths of uh, Eastern Europe. Yeah, and I I have to agree with you. I think we usually think of like Eastern Europe as producing hard tech, and these are actually really fun applications. So um, Masquerade actually will continue to offer its standalone app. And apparently the three co-founders will work out of Facebook's London office. Many of our listeners already know that Facebook is well positioned in messaging space with WhatsApp and Instagram and everything else, but it's actually not as well positioned with the younger demographic. Facebook obviously tried unsuccessfully to acquire Snapchat for $3 billion, And ever since it has essentially been copying a lot of its different features. So I think this is a really interesting play from Facebook that also really sheds light on some of Eastern Europe's top tech talent. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and actually, it really goes to show kind of what is to be found across Europe. I mean, you know, these acquisitions, like we said, Ukraine, Belarus, not the kind of typical European hubs. And what's interesting is I have, a, you know, a theory around this is that as Europe does become more mainstream, and, and kind of companies do, they raise more, they're more obvious now, they're in the limelight more. 
no longer can American companies just pick up, you know, before, I mean, even five years ago, American companies probably pick up a London-based company. No one had ever heard of them. No one else knew of them. But that's not the case these days. These London-based companies will have raised some money. People will be aware they've been in the media. So it's not as easy for them to pick up companies kind of on the cheap without alerting major competitors. So as Europe becomes more mainstream in the major hubs, you actually have to look a bit further. Um, I mean, in all seriousness, this is probably by coincidence that these happen to be in Belarus and Ukraine in this um, example. But I do think there's something in it in the sense that as Europe has matured, it's not so easy to kind of unearth these gems, but they certainly do exist in Europe. So I don't think it's a coincidence Facebook keep coming back. I mean, Facebook are one of the most active acquirers of European tech companies. So are Microsoft, so are Apple, Yahoo were, you know, the big American giants. They love to shop in Europe. It's cheaper and there's a lot to be found here. Yeah, and I think um, it's it's really interesting that one is Ukraine and one is Belarus. So that kind of heats up the competition as well. Now, rumor has it that Hyperloop is exploring possibilities in Europe, specifically a project that would link Slovakia, Austria, and Hungary. I really don't think I need to introduce Hyperloop, but just in case, it's the high-speed transportation system that was put forward by Elon Musk. The company is apparently exploring a deal with the Slovak Republic that would link three European countries together. Yeah, well, I think this is interesting. And I mean, when we think about this on a, on a kind of selfish level um, with startup hubs, tech hubs in Europe, I mean, this is great. I mean, the quicker or the more connected it is to get around Europe's hub, the better it is for the whole ecosystem. Actually, the, the angel investor Gil Dibner, he tweeted earlier this week saying Lithuania and Estonia, they're at a disadvantage to other hubs in Europe because they don't have a direct flight into London. And he was kind of saying his hypothesis was, you know, to be a major tech hub or to have a real chance, you have to have a direct flight to London. And while I don't agree with that exact sentiment, I do agree with with kind of the bigger picture in the sense that the better connections you do have to the major hubs or to even to other hubs, the better chance that you have. And that's why kind of you know, those ones are plugged into London, investors can just hop on a plane and get across, check out another city. So that's kind of the thinking behind it. But if there was something like Hyperloop, I mean, this really will kind of revolutionize the world in, in, in terms of business, because it just makes it easier to do it. And everything is obviously a lot closer together. So yeah, I mean, thinking about it from a kind of tech hub perspective, it would be a great thing for Europe. Yeah, and I think it's quite impressive just how close it can bring these countries together. So Dirk Alborn, who's Hyperloop CEO, has openly expressed an interest in a Hyperloop presence in Europe um, and has pointed to Slovakia's excellence in the automotive and energy industry. So for anyone who needs proof that Slovakia is really um, kind of taking over that space, it's home for the air mobile flying car. So I think that is a really great example of how they're kind of leading that industry. According to Hyperloop, the trip from Bratislava to Vienna would take eight minutes compared to one hour by car. That really just kind of says everything. Obviously, this deal is still being considered and definitely going to take some time to put everything together. The company's CEO still says he needs to talk to the EU and Slovakian Investment Fund to finalize details. So I think we can see that that's not going to happen tomorrow. But regardless, this is another great sign for European transportation. The sector, I feel like it's just booming. Like obviously, one of the most like excited examples is French unicorn Blah Blah Car that's also in the transportation space, obviously with a very different style project. 
project. And then just this past week, another company in the transportation space in France was acquired. So that's Captain Train. They got acquired by UK competitor for about 200 million euros. Yeah, this is a great example of kind of consolidation, which we've often talked about on the podcast as well, in these kind of areas where more and more companies are doing something, everyone's raising a lot of funding, and then there's these competitors in other countries around Europe. And then when you think of Europe as one big market, then of course you get this consolidation effect. So this is a good example for that, but also an example of kind of a more mature Europe, because this wasn't the case a couple of years ago, you couldn't pick up these companies. Other European companies would struggle because they wouldn't have the capital available to just go uh, and kind of pick up competitors, even in competing countries or in different markets. So it's a sign of maturity and it's a sign of consolidation. Yeah, I think, uh, and a very, very exciting project for us to have on the continent as well. So we'll have to pay attention to what happens with Hyperloop going forward. So now we're on to my favorite topic for this podcast. (laughs) And what happens to also be potentially the most ridiculously innovative project I've ever heard of. I don't know, Neil, is this the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard of? Essentially, an air pollution system in the form of backpacks for pigeons. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty crazy, but I'm going to let you tell the listeners kind of what it is. And I'm going to try and beat it with, with something that I've come across. Oh, wow. I'm excited now. (laughs) So this is a UK-based Plume Labs that has teamed up with Digitus LBI to develop what is perhaps the most ridiculous and innovative thing I've ever seen, a pigeon air patrol system. So they've put these backpacks on roughly 10 pigeons and literally backpacks to fly around London and measure air pollution for three days. And these little devices are apparently what they're calling light as a feather, and they can measure ozone volatile compounds, nitrogen dioxide, and also the location of the pigeons themselves. So really kind of very creative and weird. Plume Labs also has a number of additional air pollution-related projects. Um, They have a mobile app available on iOS and Android that lets you see the pollution in your area and forecasts for pollution for the next 24 hours. So that's called the Plume Air Monitor. The company is also teaming up with Imperial College in London to launch a similar project with humans. So that will be literally 100 live humans (laughs) that will help to measure air pollution in London. That project is called ePlume. And for that specific project, the company actually has a crowdfunding project going on where the backers can actually take part as one of the humans in the study. So if you're a startup, I guess, with a similarly ridiculous and creative idea, I think Neil and I would definitely love to hear from you. But Neil, I'm really curious now what the project is that you think can beat this. Okay, so I have to start with saying that I'm still, I've thought about this kind of 10 times, but I'm still not sure whether it was real or not. Um, So I will start with that. But I'm pretty sure that it was real and not just a joke. But basically a Norwegian company, they're a startup, they they have many different uh, projects, more kind of like a startup studio. They recently, it was about a month ago, I think, they released an app where you could order a drone. Well, actually, the drone was like a uh, piñata. It was like a donkey piñata, and they would fly the donkey piñata to you via a drone. So it's definitely not as innovative as kind of pigeons with backpacks kind of doing air pollution and kind of like a good thing, but it was just bonkers. So we're literally flying donkeys through the air to deliver them to you as and it was just a piñata bonkers and I, it was real like i'm pretty sure it was real but you can only get them in oslo 
but yeah, that's such a weird thing. I mean, I, I can just imagine these kind of donkeys in the air flying around. So yeah, that 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 was my thing. The, the more I say it, you know, uh, now I'm doubting whether it was real, <laughs> real or not. So I don't think I've I, I don't think I've trumped the pigeons and really the pigeon project. Like that is it's it's such a cool uh, thing as well. So no, uh, I I'll, I think I'll I'll stick with you and and say the pigeons win it rather than the flying donkeys. <laughs> well, I have to say the the flying pinata is super creative, but it just that just sounds insane you know like would you actually do you need to fly in candy for a special occasion i have to say the pigeon backpacks are really cute for any listeners that haven't seen them please go take a look i think it's really worth it and now for the final topic of this week's podcast labor law so i think europe is often criticized for having startup unfriendly labor laws maybe just unfriendly labor laws in general but even though a majority of the eu has very similar laws i always feel like france gets a particularly bad reputation one of the bigger problems probably is actually resolving the issue of the laws varying from country to country so you have some things that are kind of almost standardized and then a lot of things that actually still vary so in france there's starting to be a lot of discussion of a european startup work contract that would actually help to homogenize some of the labor laws and make it you know a lot more easier for internet for startups to kind of become international some of the ideas put forward include uniform hiring and firing procedures social charges vat and more so i think Definitely a really interesting proposition um, that I think deserves to be explored. But I'm, I'm wondering, kind of, Neil, what are your thoughts on the topic? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with that. I think a step kind of needs to be taken to, to kind of understand that, that startup companies or, or even just companies that, that exist now or the way that we work now is different to, to kind of how it was then. I mean, I do think France gets an exceptionally bad rep here because the, the, there's also problems in other countries as well. I mean, one of the things that have held back the Nordics, you know, one of the major disadvantages, I would say, is, is in this area. And particularly here, it's actually around working hours. Um, and that's something that has really kind of been a... Because there's such a good life-work balance in the Nordics, and everyone goes home at about 3.30. But the problem is, is that there's no flexibility around that. In ter- well, at least there wasn't in terms of the law as well. So that was actually holding kind of startups back. Um, so I think that, for the, you know, every country has its challenges here in, in this area. But I think that things have changed in terms things have been recognized that startups are doing things differently you know you can now register companies in some countries in a different way to say that you're doing a kind of entrepreneurial or startup venture so you know if you can register startup companies specifically i don't see why we can't have some kind of labor laws that are kind of more startup friendly or specifically for this type of company so i kind of welcome any change that that kind of comes in that area and i certainly think it would be a good thing to kind of have a more specific kind of labor laws applying to to kind of just not necessarily even tech companies just the way that that we work now um so i definitely think that could be a positive move you know i think companies would welcome that i think employees would welcome that as well so i don't think there would be too much opposition to it um but i think it is something that definitely needs kind of looking at and bringing up to date yeah and i do think actually another example of a country that's really kind of a really great place to employ people is the uk and i just think you know not really that much different from the rest of europe but i just think you know 
being able to fire someone within a month and not having, you know, in France, it's a three months uh, notice period. I just think you have tiny little differences like that that actually make a huge difference for a startup. So I think also being able to look at some of the different countries and maybe kind of pick from the best would definitely be beneficial. But would love to ask the question to our listeners, if you have ideas for how we can make labor law potentially more startup friendly in Europe, feel free to leave us some comments. Yes, we'd love to hear from you. Please do give us your opinions on that. Please do tell us if you've seen anything crazy than pigeons with backpacks or flying donkeys with piñatas. Always give us feedback on the podcast itself as well. You can comment on tech.eu or just reach out to us on Twitter at Neil S.W. Murray or at Roxanne Vaza or at tech underscore EU. Please go and subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud and Acast. And obviously, as I said, the website is tech.eu. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, Roxanne. Thanks, Neil.